This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, We have been talking a lot about public opinion polls and particularly the deeper dive into them. And they've long played a big, important role in elections. But they've also, on occasion, been spectacularly wrong in recent years. Now, Artificial intelligence, AI for short, is starting to replace traditional polling that relies on phone surveys. And an Ottawa-based Ottawa tech company uses an AI computer named Polly. It's already successfully predicted the outcome of Donald Trump's victory in the U.S. election and the Brexit vote in the U.K., And the company's CEO says that within very short order, Polly will predict the winner of the Ontario election with a very low error percentage. The company is Advanced Symbolics in Ottawa, and Aaron Kelly is the CEO. Oh, I'm looking at the screen. We have uh, we don't seem to have Aaron Kelly. Um, These are things that happen uh, in uh, a live call-in show. We had her here a minute ago. Uh, But uh, it's an interesting, interesting aspect of um, the election. Uh, It's a whole new way of doing things. Uh, Traditional polling relies on phone surveys. And there is a problem with phone surveys because... Now we have cell phones. Um, I know that uh, when I get those calls around dinner time, I am not necessarily that keen to answer the questions. Uh, but this is a whole new way of doing things. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure exactly how it works, which is why I'm very anxious to talk to Aaron Kelly, who was on my screen a second ago. And uh, I'm sure I'll be told, is she there? Aaron, are you there? I am. Sorry Hi, about that, Libby. Okay. <laughs> That's what we call filling. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Nice to have you here. Um, so please explain, how does the artificial intelligence computer work? Well, the AI follows traditional methodologies for creating randomized samples of populations, representative samples, the way we do in traditional polling um, with phone research. But as you know, Fewer and fewer people are willing to take phone surveys today. And so the the ability to get representative samples through phone surveys is diminishing. We've known for a long time that the conversations today are happening online. The difficulty has been, as you know, when you look at your Facebook or your Twitter ID, those IDs are not geographically based. So um, the AI now is able, we have technology that is where we're able to get geographically based representative samples of people online so that we can then use text analytics to figure out what the issues are, how they feel about uh, the campaign issues and how they are likely to vote. Uh, the other question I have, though, uh, you don't necessarily have demographic, uh, you know, you you don't know um uh, how old I am, even whether I'm a man or a woman, uh, all of those things online, do you? 
We do. We are able, the AI is able to glean demographics and psychographics online, uses a, a number of, and again, it's important to understand we're not collecting names or any personally identifiable information, but the AI is able to uh, look at your photo, look at your name, um, to, to glean things such as gender, ethnicity, even age. I mean, it's interesting, names, probabilities of names trend over time. So if your name is Mildred, chances are you're not 20 years old. Um, it calculates all of these things and creates a probability of you falling within a certain age bracket of you being male, female. Um, we can even drill down into likely education based on how you speak, um, things or like that. But number of typos, <laughs> my, my typos, my, I swear, you know, the last, one of the last things that I did, I, I swear that the autocorrect totally mangled what I did as I was hitting send. So hopefully you would not uh, guess wrong on my education based on some of my posts, which are full of typos. I don't know how they take that into account. So No, no, we don't do that. So the the AI, so you're you're totally basing this on posts online. So here's another uh, question that I have, another wrinkle. Uh, We've been hearing a lot lately about Russian bots mixing in and trying to change the outcome of elections. We have a lot of uh, posts that that are fake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how does how, how does the AI deal with that? Well, that's that's a great question. In fact, that's why we sample, because through sampling, the AI is able to tell the difference between bots and regular people. And also because of sampling, we are able to tell, you know, when you bring up the Russians and trying to influence elections, using AI and technology, we can tell the difference between real news and fake news, for example, to ensure that we have fairer elections. That's a whole other topic of discussion, but the AI is able to distinguish between, not only between bots um, and and things like that, but also it, it, normal the, it normalizes the data, because obviously online you're going to have campaign workers and people who are trying to influence the election. It can tell the difference between somebody who is a campaign worker or a journalist, perhaps, and a regular individual, and that's what we're really using the sampling for is to make sure that we have your average person um, in the sample so that we can tell what regular people think. Okay, sorry. So it can do all that how? Well, there's a number of uh, classifiers that it uses to do that. Uh, So, for instance, well, bots have very distinguishable characteristics that enable the AI to weed them out. But even looking at the number of followers you have, normal people don't have 20,000 followers, so it can tell the difference between a celebrity and a regular person. People who post 50 times a day are not your typical person, so it's looking for people who make more regular postings and who aren't always posting about the same thing. And it can also do um, checks to see, you know, through cross-media checks and stuff, is this person likely a journalist, is this person a campaign worker? Okay, so a journalist doesn't count then? Well, they have to be in proportion to the population. So what the AI also does is it looks at the StatsCan data and says, okay, so many, we know from StatsCan data, the different uh, industries that people work in, their age ranges, ethnicities. So for example, if 5% of the population is Aboriginal, the AI will want to ensure that 5% of the sample is Aboriginal. So we make sure that all of those mixes are in keeping with what we see in the StatsCan data. You know, uh, this is good information 
for all of us. Uh, so to help us figure out also when we're online if uh, it's a bot that we're paying attention to or if it is a real person. I guess absolutely with, mm-hmm. with the thousands and thousands of, of followers. So, uh, so what else you're looking for? Uh, too many posts and too many followers, and what else distinguishes a bot? Um, the other thing that distinguishes a bot is bots. Things that are being pushed by bots work through social media in pattern from the way they do in the in the in organic population. So the other thing we do is we'll take the fire hose from Twitter, which means everything that goes out in Twitter, and we'll compare it to our sample. So if you have fake news or something that's being promoted by a bot, for example, the bots will be repeating, repeating, repeating this story at very rapid rate, whereas regular people, only about 10% of regular people will share that story. So when we see it moving more slowly in the sample than it does in social media generally, we flag it as likely being fake news or something that comes from a bot. Okay, and then the other question is that won't the bots adjust? Well, the bots can't adjust in the... That's why we want a sample. It's it's an excellent question. They will adjust in the regular Twitter stream, but in a randomized controlled sample, the bots have no ability to force themselves into that sample. So when we do a regular sample, we will see that some are behaving differently from the majority. And that's where we're able to to pull out. That's why you want to have two different streams so you can compare them. Okay. And uh, how? So how is the AI different of from a regular computer? Does it just have more inputs? Well, the AI learns as it as it develops. So one of the really interesting, uh, for example, like tell you with Brexit. One of the things that happened in the Brexit, three, just a week before the Brexit happened, there was the assassination of Joe Cox. And we were able to determine through the, uh, through the AI that it was actually the assassination of Joe Cox had a big impact on, um, on the exit. And the interesting thing for us was that the AI had never seen an assassination before, and we wondered whether or not it was interpreting that properly. And, of course, we know now that she did interpret it absolutely properly and got the Brexit at 52%. So the AI learns that the AI had seen sex scandals before. It had seen email scandals. It had seen all sorts of things, financial scandals. It had never seen an assassination before. And yet when it read about the assassination, it absorbed it and it understood it accurately. So that's the difference between a computer that you have to program ahead of time and an AI that learns as it goes. When did Polly predict Donald Trump's victory? Well, Polly started to see the change in Donald Trump's popularity in August, actually. And Polly noticed that uh, Trump was actually trending among um, two groups that people thought were being alienated by Donald Trump, the African-American vote and the Latin American vote. Um, So she started to see that turnaround in August. It was still very neck and neck right up until the election, actually, but we were seeing him becoming in very strong, and she got the, you know, the popular vote, and the numbers bang on, obviously. But it was it was always neck and neck because of that difference in the popular vote. But she definitely started to see in August was when Trump started taking off. Okay, so uh, to brass tacks, uh, uh, what what are you seeing in the Ontario election? 
In the Ontario election right now, we're seeing the Liberals and the NDP are actually neck and neck in terms of the popular vote, but the NDP is coming out uh, much, the, the NDP vote is much more efficient, so they have more seats, so we're seeing the NDP leading in terms of seats. Liberals coming in around 10 seats right now, the NDP at 25, but the PCs are far away ahead of both of those parties with 89 seats where they're leading in right now. And we're, you know, it's too early to call the election, obviously, because the writ has just been dropped. But right now it's trending toward a PC majority government. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, I, I want to say this before the prediction becomes so not bold, <laughs> because <laughs> I predicted a, a collapse of the Liberal vote to single digits a few weeks ago, and uh, by the time uh, I started telling more of my friends, they said, that's not bold. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm saying it here while it's still sort of bold. So you have 10, so it, uh, that's uh, not much more than than single digits. No, there. It's um, it's definitely not looking good for the Liberal Party. Not looking good for the Liberal Party. And and when do you say that you will be able to accurately predict the outcome? We will predict the outcome when we get the margin of error down to one point two percent. Right now, the margin of error is over three point five percent. So we feel it's still too early. Um, it is coming down. Quickly, though, as as we get closer to the election and um, Polly sees that peop- right now what's happening is there were some points where Doug Ford started to lose. People started to waver when some things that he said in the media caused the vote to shake a little bit. So that's why Polly still got the margin of error a little bit high. But once she sees that it's steady and people are uh, keeping their vote that way and become more... Um, decided, if you will, and the margin of error gets down to 1.2, we'll be ready to call the election. Yeah, but when is that? Like in a week or? uh... Probably in, I'd say probably in two weeks, maybe a week. It's hard to say. I mean, she decides when she decides, but. uh, She decides. I'll I'll give you an example. We called the liberal election a month before it happened the Liberal majority in Canada. Uh, We called Brexit three days before. So it really is down to when she feels confident. Uh, so it, it's interesting, a couple of uh, things uh, that that you found that uh, young people prefer Ford? Yes, yes, that was really interesting, because traditionally young people are not PC supporters. Uh, this generation, I don't know if it's a generational thing, it might also be because Doug Ford is a anti-establishment leader, and we see that young people are really liking that, that he goes after the elite, you know, which is a traditional young person uh, platform. Um, but yeah, we're definitely seeing young people. Now, there, it's not young people as opposed to other demographics. All age groups are really getting behind Doug Ford. Uh, it's just we've been asked about the youth vote because typically youth, people tend to think that they go more NDP traditionally, but we're definitely seeing here that they're, they're going PC. And uh, the lack of a platform uh, doesn't seem to bother people. No, and in fact, well, what the platform that's resonate with people associate with Doug Ford is uh, tax control. So whether it's just not raising my taxes or maybe even lowering the taxes, well, it's hard to imagine that's going to happen. Um, but not a lot of talk about, well, how is he going to pay for his promises? Not a lot of talk about concerns about cuts or anything like that. We're really seeing the people who are voting Doug Ford are voting Doug Ford because they think he'll keep taxes at bay. Um, and we'll manage the economy well. 
Okay, I think I think everyone agrees uh, at this point anyway. The ballot question is Kathleen Wynne. You know, in terms of whether or not she'll win her seat? Um, yeah. Uh, no, just that people want change. Oh, there's no question people want change. And, and even when we see, there, you know, Doug Ford went down a little bit this week, um, and it was the NDP that, uh, you know, it's not statistically significant, but we are seeing now the battle is more between, and it's not a battle, the PCs are clearly ahead. But when they do lose a little bit of, uh, of the vote, it goes to the NDP and not to the Liberals. Okay. Uh, fascinating stuff, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us, and I uh, hope we'll talk to you again as uh, the election unfolds. Uh, really, really interesting. Perfect. Thanks, Libby. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to be talking uh, to Dr. Samir Sinha about the city's senior strategy. Uh, He's just come out of a meeting with the executive committee. Uh, These are some very important things, including something we've been talking about a lot, which is uh, free dental care for people who can't afford it. Uh, First, we'll have a break. Samir Sinha, when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.